Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Living Way Community Church in the one square mile Dumont, New Jersey. Let's stand together. It's great to have you here. How's everybody doing? How are you kids doing tonight? Good. It's great to have you here. Let's bow our heads and our hearts together and ask the Lord to bless the time we have. What a privilege, Lord, you've given us that you would consider us. <laughs> and Father, we are just so grateful that you provided an opportunity again for us to gather here, to come into fellowship with the church you've created that you gave yourself for. Lord, we just thank you that you save us one by one. And we thank you, Lord, for every soul that comes into this place and can enjoy together this sweet communion and fellowship, Lord. We want to honor you in song and praise from our lips, Lord, more importantly, from our hearts, Lord God, as we spend this time in preparation for your word, Lord. God, we just pray that you would continue to reveal truth to us, that you'd be honored, Lord, in the way that we celebrate this time in your honor, Father, Son, and Spirit. And God, we just ask also for an anointing upon Pastor Frank tonight, Lord, and, and all those teaching our young ones, Lord God. In whatever capacity we serve, Father, we want to honor you. And we just pray that you would receive this as a sweet offering. Show us your mercy and your grace again and again as we study and enjoy your word this night, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Not my will, but yours be done, Lord. Reign in me. sky of my one request, Lord, my only aim is that you reign in me again. Let's sing that together over all the earth. Over all the earth, you reign on high. Every mountain stream, every sunset sky, but my one request, Lord, my only aim is that you reign in me again. Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams. In my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all. Over every thought, Lord, over every word. Over every thought, over every word. May my life reflect the beauty of my Lord. Only more to me, many earthly things. So won't you reign in me again? Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams. Darkest sound, you are the Lord of oh, all I am. So won't you reign in Acapella now? Lord, reign in me, reign in your power over all my dreams. In my darkest hour, you are the Lord of oh, all I am. So won't you reign in In my darkest hour, you are the Lord of all I am. So won't you reign in me again? Won't you reign in me again? So won't you reign in me again?
reign in our hearts, Lord God. Praise your name. Strength arise. We wait upon you, Lord. We will wait. Strength arises. We wait upon you. We will wait upon you. We will wait upon you. Strength arises. We wait upon you. We will wait upon you. We will wait upon you. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong deliverer. You are the everlasting God, the everlasting God. You do not.
step down into darkness open my eyes let me That made this heart adore you, hope of a life and with you. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together.
Hey, join me in prayer. Let's pray a few crises going on in our world. Father, we humble our hearts before you, Lord God. We may be sitting in a very comfortable place right now in our lives. We got food, we got shelter, we got warmth. We're enjoying these summer days. And Lord God, we remember people in Turkey, Lord God, grieving. There's a lot of cries going out, Lord God, of people who have lost loved ones, children, mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, friends, family. I want to pray, Lord God, for your comfort on the people of Syria and Turkey. I want to pray, Lord God, for the people in Ohio. and pray for their protection, Lord God, this, this disaster that's happened there. And Father God, just for the people, Lord, in the surrounding communities with the pollution, Lord God, and now the river's being contaminated and it's flowing, Lord God, now into Kentucky. I want to pray, Lord God, for just, again, your protective hand. Give people wisdom. And may our leaders in this country, Lord God, stand up and lead, Lord God, and instead of hide in these crises, Lord God, that we're seeing. And I want to lift up, Lord God, the body of Christ tonight. Be with us all tonight in your fullness and grace. For in Jesus we pray, amen. amen. Okay, kids, you can go. So tonight we're going to talk about leadership selection. So if you are not a leader, 
if you don't feel called to be a leader, if you're not a parent who is leading children, or a grandparent who is leading grandchildren, you can leave now. Okay, turn off your, you know, those of you who are home, if you're likely home, you're probably not a leader anyway, but um, just you can leave because I'm going to talk about leadership tonight, okay? So, uh, I don't know if you know, but I have a, a business where basically about 15 hours a week, I just work with people on leadership. I coach leaders and uh, work with leadership teams. So I love talking about leadership. I, I've been a student of leadership now for 30 years or so. So this is called Leadership Selection. And it's from Numbers 11, 16 through 17. So if you stand with me for the reading of the word, the word of the Lord says, So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting, that they may stand there with you, and then I will come down and talk with you there. I will take of my spirit that is upon you, and I will put the same upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, that you may not bear it yourself or alone. So Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord God, you'd open up our hearts and minds to the understanding of Christian leadership. It is a great privilege, it is a great honor, Lord God, to be called by the living God, to lead, Lord God. And we have many, Lord God, here. Lord, elders, deacons, Lord God, Sunday school teachers, Lord, people working right now with the kids in our Wednesday night program, Lord, ushers, greeters, security people, people in media who lead, Lord God, the ministries here at Living Word, and that, Lord God, you take and you use for your glory. So, Father God, I pray for edification. Maybe this night, Lord God, you're going to raise up leaders here, Lord God, for a future day at Living Word Community Church or maybe elsewhere. For we pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So what you have here in the text, the people are complaining. We looked at that last week. The people are complaining. They're, they're craving and they're lusting for Egypt, okay? They're, they're lusting to go back into slavery, right? It's like people who give their life to Christ and then they're, they're lusting after the world, and um, they've essentially rejected God's provisions. They've rejected his manna from heaven. And they're just driving Moses crazy. And if you ever see, you know, spiritual leaders, most of us are bald because we've lost all our hair in leadership. Okay, so I always picture Moses. He, if he wasn't bald, he definitely had a receding hairline. Okay. And uh, I'll just say this to you. When I have trouble in the church, I'm always thankful that I'm only leading a, a handful of Jews, and most of them are Gentiles, and what, 400 people? And I'm not Moses, who was leading 603,550 men who were between the age of 20 and above, and that's not to mention all the other. He was leading 4 million people who were essentially complaining and uh, you know, driving him crazy. So um, what happens here is God gives him instruction to select 70 elders who are going to now carry the burden with him. So if, if, you, if you think back, you go all the way back to Exodus chapter 18, remember Moses talking with uh, his, uh, his, essentially his father-in-law, Jethro. And Jethro saw that Moses was getting burdened and burned out. So Jethro said to him, he gave him wise advice to select 70 elders. By the way, the 70 elders, it wasn't there in, in the 18th chapter. You see it in chapter 24, but he selected 70 elders. Now, the, the question is, Numbers 11, are they the same elders? They may be. We don't know. But here, God is saying, select 70 elders, and he gives them a greater privilege than what they had in Exodus chapter 18. And the greater privilege is now, these elders are going to come to the tent of meeting, and God is going to speak to Moses, and they're going to hear what God is saying. So that becomes key things. So I want to I look just three things, right? Very short passage. Selection, empowerment, and sharing. Okay, the first thing is a selection of leaders. So here's, here's how this works. God isn't saying to Moses, stand up in front of the people and say, who wants to be a leader? That's, that's not how it works. It's, it, this, is, this is selection. Okay, I get people coming to me and they say, I want to be a pastor. I want to be, be an elder. I want to be a deacon. You know, I want to I preach. And... It's, it, it's like, if you want to be one of those, play one of those roles in the church, you need to prove yourself, right? You just you come up, oh, I want to be a deacon. 
We don't, we don't, we don't take on people who want to be deacons. I, I will not appoint people who want to be elders. I get people all the time coming to me, I want to be a pastor. Show yourself as a pastor. Prove yourself as a pastor. And then when people, when, when the leaders of the church see that you're doing the things of a pastor or doing things of an elder or doing the things of a deacon, that's where then you'll be appointed. So that's the, the concept of selection. So this isn't God saying to Moses, oh, you know what, stand up. Hey, put up a sign. Whoever wants to be an elder, hey, come forward. That's not how it works. Look out, God is saying to Moses. Look out at the people of Israel and see who the elders are. And an elder is, it, let me tell you, it, it's just another, it's another term for a leader. So there, there are people who are already being tested. They're being proven. And, you know, again, in the church, they're showing up. They're being consistent. They're demonstrating the gifts of a, of a pastor or an elder or a deacon. They're faithful. And if they're not doing that, they shouldn't be, right? They shouldn't be appointed into a, into a leadership position. So it's, it, you know, it's selection. You know what, let me just say, if you know anything about special forces, okay, the SAS in England or Australia, the Navy SEALs, the Delta Force, uh, Army Rangers, what they do and how they develop and, and essentially choose those, those men and some women now is they put them through a selection process. So most people think they're going through this process for, say, three months, and it's like to develop them. No, it's not to develop them, it's to eliminate them. So they'll, they'll, take, they'll take 200 Army Rangers, put them through selection, and only two, three, or four will make it into Delta Force. So the others, the others are quitting. The others are giving up. In, 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 in the Navy SEALs, they ring the bell. That means that you know, essentially they tapped out. They've given up. That's how they eliminate the ones who don't have the mental toughness and physical toughness to become, okay, a special forces person. Same thing. It's the same thing in the church with leadership. Okay, we're not asking you to run 20 miles a day. Okay, we're not asking you to go without food with three days. But when we're looking for leaders, we're looking out. In fact, I'll just tell you, that we just went through a process tonight of um, basically selecting a handful of men who are going to be leading a discipleship program in this church. And, you know, again, the reason, and some of the men are sitting here right now, the reason they are coming into this position is because they have proven themselves and have been tested. They've been shown to be faithful. They've been shown to be consistent. They're shown that they're continuously showing up. So that's, that, that's key. So here, Numbers eleven sixteen. So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people, the officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. Okay? So he essentially here, Moses is given the responsibility of selecting 70 leaders. Okay? And they are, again, they are elders who are demonstrating leadership. Okay? They are, they are elders who are, who are essentially, they're showing and demonstrating their leadership skills. Okay? He, he's not, again, saying just, you know, call out to the people to see who wants to be an elder. They're demonstrating it. Same thing in the book of Acts. The, the apostles are burned out. Okay, they're, they're trying to take care of all, all the needs in the, you know, in the church now. People need food. And the apostles, they're, they're called essentially, right, a, a leader. This is in my role, what did God call me to do? He called me to preach the word and pray and lead. So what's happening is now they're, they're running, this is the modern day, this is the modern day clergy. Modern day clergy is running around and doing everything that the rest of the body of Christ should be doing. And then what's happening is he's doing a sermon for 10 minutes on Saturday night between 11 o'clock and 11.10 then falling asleep and coming and preaching the word on a Sunday morning. Okay, and it's because the church is not being what it's supposed to be. So what happens here is verse 3 of Acts chapter 6 Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. Now, again, good reputation. This, this is God saying to the apostles, look out, who are the men of good reputation? Who, who are the men who are proving themselves as servants, as deacons? Right again, they're, they're showing up, they're being faithful, they're being consistent. So he says, look out at those people of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, um, of wisdom. You see it. You know, people, people, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I've been filled, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, well show me. I was talking with a pastor 
This is a, an assemblies church, and he's, he's got 600 people in the church. He said, I don't have a handful of people who do anything. He goes, there's only a handful of people who give. He goes, the, the rest of them just, they, they come and sit. And, you know, well, well, they're all supposedly filled, baptized, right, sanctified in the Holy Spirit. But show me that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there's, there's going to be action, right? There, there's going to be a lifestyle. There's, you're going to be doing the things that a person filled with the Holy Spirit does. So this is what, again, God is saying to the apostles, look out. And you're going to see the people, okay, the men, who are demonstrating, okay, the lifestyle of a deacon. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, uh, Parmenaeus, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and then whom they prayed and laying hands on them. Okay, so you get, you get the picture. So in, in the selection of leaders, let me just ask, what, what is a leader? What is a leader? And um, I want to share, I wanna share some, some key things and characteristics of a leader. One is, a leader is a person with vision. The Bible says where there's no vision, the people perish. That's uh, Proverbs chapter 29, 18. I say, where there's vision, people flourish. I can tell you this. Everything I'm going to share with you, all the other characteristics of leadership, if there is not vision in the leader, he is not a leader or she is not a leader. I will tell you that. That could be, that could be in the political realm. That could be in the educational realm. That could be in the sports realm. That could be in the church. Leaders are visionaries. Okay, Martin Luther King. What did he say? I have what? Yeah, he had a dream. Abraham Lincoln had a dream, right? The founding fathers had a dream. And you go into the scriptures that, you know, you can look at Noah had a dream. Noah had a vision. And that vision was to build an ark. When Noah lost his vision, what did he do? He got drunk and he got naked. And you don't want to think about a 600-year-old man, uh, man getting naked. Okay, I don't, want to think, I don't want to think about that, whatever happened there. Okay, when Abraham had a vision, he claimed the promised land. When he lost the vision, he had sex with Hagar. And she gave birth to Ishmael. You see the conflict between the Arabs and the Jews? That's Ishmael and Isaac in conflict. In conflict. When Joseph had a vision, Joseph endured slavery, prison, and eventually became the second most powerful in the world. Joseph never lost his vision. You want to see somebody who lived, who, you know, people talk about David and people talk about Moses. You've got to look at the life of Joseph. Joseph lived, I think, the most holy life of anybody in the Old Testament. When David had a vision, he killed giants. When David lost the vision, he committed adultery and murdered an innocent man named Uriah. When Solomon had a vision, Solomon built the temple of the Lord. When Solomon lost the vision, what, 600 wives and 300 concubines who led him into idolatry, led him into sin? When Peter had a vision, he walked on water. When he lost the vision, he denied the Lord three times. So you see this, this, this power of, uh, you know, a vision. Leaders, leaders are visionaries. And if, there, you know, if there's no vi vision, if you're in leadership here, right, we just, again, in our meeting tonight, talking about uh, creating this, this dynamic discipleship program that will go on. It's going to involve, you know, a lot of great things. But the leaders had vision of what they wanted to create. And so that w without vision, there is no leadership. So I, I use... Vision as the one fundamental point, and then kind of the, the two bookends. I'm going to go to the, my last point, and I'll give you everything in between. So you're going to eat the appetizer first, vision, then you're going to eat the dessert, and then I'm going to give you the main course, okay? The, the dessert, the end, uh, other end of the book, is character. Character. Uh, 
Integrity, selflessness, responsibility. David, when David was walking in integrity, he raised up mighty men. When he was walking in sin, there was a domino effect that, I mean, it's, it's tragic when you look at what happened to David's life. His mighty men rebelled against him. But character, you know, your yes being yes, your no being no, you know, meaning what you say and saying what you mean. You know, that, 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 that is what character is. Character is integrity. Again, character is selflessness. Character is responsibility. Okay, the next one. Leaders inspire. In fact, look at the word inspire. Notice where it comes from. What? In, in spirit. Yeah, leaders are, are, are people who are in spirit. They inspire others. They inspire others and infuse others with positive emotion, with courage. They, they edify, right? They instill hope. They instill passion in other people. That's what leaders do. Second here, a thing here connected with, with um, inspiration is motivation. Leaders motivate. There's a little difference. Inspiration deals with a lot of emotion. Okay, you, 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 again, you're inspiring people. People are getting enthusiastic. They're getting excited. They're being moved to hope. But motivation is about getting people to take action, not just feel good, but to move, to serve, to, to mobilize, to, you know, to give. Gideon is a, great, is a great example of a motivational leader, right? He started out with 30,000. He said, if you want to go home, go home. 20,000 went home. And then he was left with 10,000. And then what happened was God said, hey, now look real carefully at the ones who, who don't lap like a dog, but they, you know, they drink the water because like, they're warriors. And then he ended up with his 300, and he went out and he defeated the Midianites. But it's a, it, it's a picture of a motivational leader. The next, the next principle here is leaders are teacher coaches. They, they teach, and they teach by example, not just words. And they're, they're able to, you know, again, teach hands-on. So if you're going to teach as a leader about prayer, you better be praying. If you're going to teach people about the Word of God, you better be in the Word of God. You're going to teach people about giving, you better be giving. You're going to teach people about serving, you, you, you know, you better be serving. That's, you know, the picture of a teacher coach. Next one, leaders are problem solvers. There's a lot of people who are problem creators. Leaders bring solutions to problems. They see a hurt and they heal it, right? They, they see a wound and they mend it. They see a mess and they clean it up. I'm sometimes amazed as I've been in the church through the years where there's a mess somewhere and everybody, literally, leaders, deacons, will be walking over it and not bend down and pick it up and clean it up. You know, just, you see a mess, you clean it up. That's, you know, that, 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 that's the picture of being a, a problem solver. Hey, there's a, people go, oh, pastor, there's a mess in the bathroom. What are you coming to me for? Aren't you a servant of the Lord? Is this your church? I'm not talking about a visitor here who's visiting for the first time on a Sunday. If there's a mess in the kitchen, there's a leak, right? Go, go do something about it. Solve, you know, solve the problem. The next, leaders grow. They grow themselves, and as they grow themselves, they grow the people around them. They grow the organization around them. But they are, they are deeply committed, I call it CANI, C-A-N-I, Continuous and Never-Ending Improvement. I said a couple of weeks ago, John Nagaska, KZN, they get better. You don't like the way your life is? Don't like the way the marriage is or the family is? Don't like the way that things are going? Change yourself and grow. Start growing. Start developing yourself. Start working on yourself. Start making changes. You grow yourself, you will grow the things around you. Great leaders understand that. And the last point, the last point I'll give you here about leadership what a great picture that is. You see, the leader 
they're not there because they're not sitting. I haven't sat. I've been a, I've been a Christian for 40 years. Folks, I haven't sat in 40 years. And, and just, you know, well, pastor, you know what I need? I need to be in the service worshiping. Well, if you're an elder or you're a deacon, right, you need to be serving here. So, well, I need to be fed. Well, you come on a Wednesday night and you're fed. Or you need to learn how to feed yourself. I feed myself every day. I worship the Lord every day. You know, oh, pastor, you're not in church. You're not in worship on Sunday. No, I'm not. You know what I'm doing? I'm overseeing the church, which is what God called me to do. I'm overseeing the children. I'm overseeing the kids in the nursery. I'm overseeing people in the crying room. I'm walking around the outskirts of the church, the insides of the church, looking at security, looking at all the different things that are going on, checking on media. That's what overseers are supposed to do. They're supposed to oversee the church and be, again, be doers Leaders, not sitters. I just need I just need to sit. You need to sit at times. But some people, I mean, man, let me tell you something. You know what's something in the church? The evangelical churches where the word of God is being preached. How many of you, with what you know, okay? Here's your knowledge of the, of, of the scriptures. Where's your obedience? Right? Is your, where's your obedience? Your, if, if your knowledge is here, where's your obedience in actually doing what God is calling you to do? And so, you know, we become like a bunch of stuffed pigs. It's just, the, wait, I want the word, I want the word. But we're never, we're never obeying the word. We're never putting the word into practice. And again, we, we, we sit, we sit week after week after week in our Bible studies, in our Wednesday night, you know, in our, in our women's meetings, in our men's meetings, in our, in our Sunday service, right? Your, your heinies are indented in the chairs, right, that you sit in week after week. How many of you get up and do something and serve God? And let me just say again, leaders, that's what leaders do. And if you're not doing it, then you're not, you're not working as a leader, so, I mean, that is essentially, again, you're looking out. I'm looking out for visionaries. I'm looking out for people with character. I'm looking for people who are, again, they're doers and not sitters. We're going through some changes, folks, as a church right now. I'll tell you, God's leading us into some major change here. We're getting old. Our leaders are getting old. God bless them for their faithfulness through the years. We're appointing now new young leaders. We need to for this church to go on. And God is raising up wonderful young leaders of Living Word Community Church. And there's going to come a day soon where I ain't going to be doing this and somebody else is. And they're going to be young. We're not going to appoint a, a 60-year-old to come and fill the pulpit. But God, God is, he has to, you know, he has to raise up young leaders for this church to go on, or else it dies. And, and churches like this die when the changes aren't made. So that's a, a, a key thing. But we're looking for visionaries. We're look, I'm looking out. I'm looking for people of character. I'm looking for people who inspire, people who motivate, people who don't sit, people who actually do. Those are going to be the future leaders of Living Word Community Church in upcoming years. So it's not the person, I want to be a pastor, I want to be a deacon, I want to be a teacher. It's the person who are demonstrating the characteristics of the ones that will be appointed. Okay. Again, that's what you see in the scriptures. Right? Look, look at 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 13. Look at verse 10. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons. That's it. They, they need to be tested. They need to be in the fire. And we need to be looking as leaders at them and finding the ones who are actually doing the things as deacons, and they're the ones who should be appointed. The same thing goes for elders and pastors. Okay? Lesson number two. Okay, empowerment. Verse 17 I will take of the spirit that is upon you and I will put the same upon them. That is, a, that is a heavy anointing 
The same spirit that was on Moses is going to be placed on the 70 elders, that spirit of power, of wisdom, of knowledge, of understanding. Now I want to show you something unique. In the Old Testament, most of the time, the majority of the time, when the Spirit of God came upon somebody, what was the purpose of it? Warfare. Not, not 100% of the time. I don't know if maybe 80% of the time. When, when the Spirit came upon Samson, what happened to Samson? He got strong. And he defeated the Philistines. Don't you ever think about it? We always have pictures of Samson and he's like, you know, he's, he's buffed. Samson could have been like 120 pounds. You know, think about the way God works. He might have taken a hundred, he might have taken a guy, his, his neck was this, as thick as my wrist and he would put the spirit on him and he'd become this mighty warrior. Look at, look at just these passages. So in Judges chapter 6, 34, so the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and Gideon went to war. In Judges chapter eleven twenty nine, now the spirit of the Lord came upon Jepheth, and he went to war. And it says, and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David. What happened there in First Samuel sixteen when the spirit came upon David? He killed Goliath. Yeah, there's again. See that it, it, the spirit coming upon them, empowering them for battle, for warfare. And that is, that is, I think, a key empowerment that you're seeing of these 70 elders because Israel is going to be fighting some major battles now. They're going to be fighting battles in the desert with the Amorites, dealing with the Midianites, the Moabites, and then they're going into the Holy Land, right, with the Canaanites. I want to share this. With what I do here, and this is, I share my heart with you, this is a tension I come into the church, right, Wednesday night or Bible study or on Sunday, and I, I love seeing you. I love being with the flock. I love connecting with people. I, like I like to walk around before service, after, just connect with people, love people, be touched, you know, touch people. And there's this, this compassion, this kindness with this. But I also come here with this tension that I am coming to do battle. I mean, I'm, I want to tell you, it's, it's like, not street fighting, but I fought on Tuesday night and Monday night. You know, I go, I go and I train, box, jujitsu, you know, rolling on the ground, right? We're punching each other, not 100%, but maybe 70, 80%. And um, I have to prepare myself for that. I prepare myself for battle. And that's the same way, though it's physical, going to the dojo, when I come here to do what I'm doing tonight, I have to, I have to prepare myself. There's spiritual forces. They don't, want you, they don't want you to hear the gospel. They want you to be distracted. They want you to go to hell. And so there's this, this spiritual, and, and I, it, it was hard to understand in my early days of ministry that you know, there's this tension I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm praying in the morning and I get prayed up and it's, it's, like I'm, it's like I'm going into a fight. I'm going into the ring. And there's, again, there's this, this intense tension that occurs, you know, with that. So we, we, we are going into, into, spiritual, in, into spiritual. They needed empowerment mainly, okay, for the battles. They were going to be leaders. They're leading the tribes of Israel, and they needed that spiritual power to be able to fight the battles that they were going to be, again, in, in, engaging in. I want to stress this to you. I fight a lot of battles. Day in and day out, I fight battles. I wake up in the morning with, with no delusion that, hey, I'm, I'm not going into a playground, I'm going into a battlefield. And when I'm doing that, I just want to stress this. Pick your battles carefully. So there may be stirrings in your marriage that Satan's trying to bait you into. Pick your battles carefully with your children, 
family members, brothers and sisters in Christ. We, I did a, a self-defense class here a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you know, one of the things, somebody, somebody hey, you want to fight? You know, no, man, I, I don't want to fight. I don't, that's, that's key self-defense. I don't want to fight, because you can't win. You know, even if you're really good and you hit the person, well, they hit their head on the ground, they die, you go to jail. Or you hit them and, you know, break their jaw and then they're suing you. And you end up in court having to come up with $80,000, right, to pay for the damages. Or maybe they have a knife or gun and they hurt you. So, you know, no, you want to, you cut me off, you know, you, you cut me off. And I'm like, nope, right. No, sorry, sorry, I'm really sorry. You know, I'm old, my eyes aren't what they used to be. You know, I'm a little feeble. I'm an old man, but I'm sorry. Don't want to, don't want to fight. You want to try to avoid because Satan will bait you into battles. And sometimes, again, they could be verbal. I mean, sometimes they could be physical. And you see people, again, how the devil just baits them all the time. So, again, they're trained for battle. These, these guys are going to be leaders of, of, of armies. But they have to be wise and select their battles carefully. So the Lord, the Lord calls us, right, and he calls Christian men and women into leadership. And again, now if you go to the New Testament, look at, look at Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over what? There is again, the power to fight battles. Power and authority over all demons and to curse diseases, um, cure diseases, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick, to fight spiritual battles. Isn't that what we're doing? We're, we're setting people free from the, from the bondage of the, of, of the devil. We're leading them to Jesus Christ where they're able to enter into peace and have peace with God and receive God's forgiveness and salvation. Look at, look at Luke chapter 10 verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Now he's got seven. Now 70 again, right? Like the 70 of, of Numbers 11. And he said to them, watch, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall be by any means hurt you. What is, you know, what is it there? Again, he empowers them, the leaders, empowers the 12, empowers the 70 to what? To engage in spiritual warfare. And that is the, and that is the empowerment that the Lord offers to us as, as leaders. Because the enemy, when you are doing God's work, and you're here serving God, and you're doing Sunday school, and you're doing nursery, and you're leading a Bible study, okay? Or maybe you're up here and you're preaching and teaching. Or Michael and your team, you're doing, you know, media. Joe Zambito, you're doing, you know, media back there, and the broadcast is going out to the world. All these different things. Satan wants to sabotage this. Worship, Kim, Lenny, the worship team. He wants to sabotage this. He wants to distract us. And he, he, he's going to come. And again, what does God give us? He gives us that power and authority to fight the battle victoriously. And that's, you know, again, that's key. All right, last, last point here, shared burden. So in verse 17, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. The word there for bear, nasa, carry, it's the concept of... Um, Again, we carry the burden together as leaders, and pastors, and elders, and deacons. Right? Lou, pastor Lou and I, we are pastors, okay? You have Lenny, uh, Sam, they're elders. And then you have deacons in the church. And you have a lot of ministry leaders in the church. And we are to share, again, the burden together of caring for the flock and looking after them. Again, it's not... It's not the pastoral responsibility. It's, it's not the staff responsibility. It's the church responsibility. Essentially, we all, oh, you know, don't you go up and do visits in the hospital? Yeah, I do, but so should you. If you feel, you know, somebody in prison that I know, maybe you go up and you visit them in prison. You don't have to have a prison ministry to go and visit. Somebody maybe that you know, a kid or something, has gotten himself in trouble, you go up and visit them. 
So somebody, somebody's in need. They need food. Right? Oh, geez, does somebody need... We'll, we'll, we'll give food to them. The idea that it, it, it's, it's a shared burden of caring for the flock. And again, n- not one person you know, having to carry that responsibility, which is what Moses was doing. And again, the same thing goes back. When you go back to Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, again, the whole purpose, they're burdened, the apostles. So they select these deacons to be able to care, right, for the, carry the burden of the church. So that they can focus on prayer and the word and the leadership of the church. And that's just a, 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 I mean, the Bible is filled with great leadership lessons. Oswald Sanders has a book on leadership that every Christian who aspires to leadership or is in leadership should read. Christian Leadership by Oswald Sanders. It's simple. It was the first, first leadership book I ever read. And um, really got, you know, got me off. So here, here again, key thing, selection. You want to be a leader? Act like a leader. Walk like a leader, talk like a leader, show up like a leader, be consistent like a leader, be reliable like a leader, and stop sitting and start standing and doing things. <laughs> I felt called to be a pastor right after my third day in the Lord. I felt called to be a pastor. I went, it was maybe a month or so later, to my pastor. I said, I feel called to be a pastor. You know what he told me? He said, come here on Monday, um, come here on, on Saturdays, and um, they'll give you a mop, clean the bathrooms. That was my first ministry. And I want to tell you, I, I, I was running a fitness center, had a bunch of people working for me. I went there every Saturday, right, Saturday mornings, and I would clean that bathroom floor, and you could eat off of it. I cleaned the toilets, cleaned the urinals, and it was, it was spotless. And I took pride in that. And then I got to do other things. And we were building a building. So I got involved with the construction of the building. And then I got involved with ushers and became the head usher. And then they needed somebody to do visitation. I used to do visitation, go up and visit people who were sick, visit people in the hospital. And they said, you know what? You should be a deacon. They saw it. And they pointed me as a deacon. And then they said, you know you feel called to preach and teach. We want you to do a Bible study. I did a Bible study in the uh, nursery of the church with six people. And George and Helga Bauda were, were two of the people that used to come to my Bible study. And I led the Bible. And then, and then they said, well, you're doing good with your Bible study. They keep coming back. I mean, I only had six people, but they kept coming back. So they said, Wednesday night, would you like to teach on Wednesday night? I said, sure. And uh, the, the pastors weren't always the healthiest people, so... I was always ready to go. They just called me up. I was always in the pulpit preaching. And then they said, well, you're doing really good. Would you like to preach on a Sunday morning? I was like, oh, yeah. And then I started getting invited to do evangelism in other churches. For he who is faithful with little is given more. Go clean the bathrooms. You need to show up. You need to prove yourself. You need to get up and you need to do things. And you're showing, you're showing yourself. I've had so many men come to me through the years who said, I want to be a pastor. None of them are pastors. None of them. Only a handful have really proven faithful who have gone on. Phil Chorlian, pastor you know, of Vineyard. Um, Don Hammernack years ago when, when he left, he, you know, he pastored. But so many people coming to me and saying, I want to be a pastor, but you've got to prove yourself. And it's not, it's not me standing there saying, oh, geez, you're not proving yourself. It's God. He's looking at you. He's watching you all the time. And you need to prove yourself that, you know what, that's, again, that's, that's selection. Get the power of the Spirit. Get that spiritual power. Because you're going to be fighting, you're going to be fighting many battles. The kingdom of God, let me tell you, this church has been built through blood, sweat, and tears. Want me to show you my scars? Would you want me to lift up my shirt? There's a whole lot of scars right here, let me tell you. There's a whole lot of scars on my heart through the years. Broken heart, disappointments, right? The church is built. If you don't have that spiritual power, man, you will burn out and you will quit so quick. You see people quit ministry so quick. They give up so easily. I mean, they, 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 
tap out. I mean, they're not even in, you know, under the control of somebody and they just tap out so quick. They don't have spiritual power. And then the third, share the burden. We should all be carrying the burden together. The, the elders, the, the deacons, the, the, the people in leadership here should be carrying the burden in a greater way. That is what leadership is. And that is a really basic, fundamental message on leadership. I hope you take it to heart. I hope some of you right now tonight, maybe God is speaking to you, he'll raise up. He might raise you up here as a leader. Or maybe he's going to raise you up for another ministry in another church, in another place. God is, God is looking. He is looking for spirit-empowered leaders in our churches right now across this country. Amen? Father, I just thank you, Lord God, for your word. I thank you, Lord God, for the calling that you have placed upon my life to be a leader. I pray, Lord God, that I would continue to grow myself, to yield myself to you, that you can shape me and mold me and develop me into the leader that you desire me to be. May I always be seeking, Lord God, to Lord, expand the vision, the character, the inspiration, the motivation, Lord God, the wisdom of problem-solving, Lord God. And always, Lord God, be up on my feet like a warrior, doing, Lord God, and being about your business. Father God, I pray that, Lord God, you speak to people's hearts tonight as they leave here. You're calling people. You're raising them up. May they yield to you and hear your call. In Jesus' name, amen. You can stand. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. A great word from the word. Altars are open if you'd like to come up before we spend time in prayer.